Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights Outtake episode from Hobby Hotline about a week ago. When we get done with these Hobby Hotline episodes, I realize it's something I haven't talked about in my own episodes, and rather than regurgitate, I'm just going to grab, in this case, 11 minutes out of the hour. I strongly suggest you listen or watch Hobby Hotline when it comes out on Saturday mornings and the first Tuesday evening of the month. It's more fun seeing it when it's live. But the podcast is released later. It's been released. And this is just a portion of mainly me talking about Kevin Isaacson and and some of the situations at BGS. And I thought it was fresh. And so wanted to deliver it for you for your listening pleasure. So thanks, everybody. Thanks, John and Mike, my co-hosts on the Hobby Hotline. And again, watch that. But if you missed it and you only want to watch 11 minutes or listen to 11 minutes, this is what we're talking about. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, sponsors. Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Compsy.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, everybody. And here it is. I've known Kevin for almost 30 years. He's a serious hobbyist, real sharp guy, really cares about the industry. First knew him as a competitor because he was one of the leaders at Krause Publications, SCD, that was our big rival back in the 80s and 90s. They didn't ask me about whether I approve of Kevin, but I certainly do. I think Canal was an attempt to bring some additional technology. Kevin is not necessarily back to the basics because he's a very creative guy, but they basically did a nationwide search for somebody with hobby experience that had less hair than me. (laughs) And Kevin rose to the top. So I fully approve and I'm looking forward to being helpful to Kevin and to the company. I think the company has not been hitting on all cylinders and bringing in Kunal was an attempt to really get back to some of the technology excellence, but we still have to have the hobby excellence too. Were you asked for some candidates or who you thought might be someone they should look at? No, I'd be nervous about getting a call. (laughs) about that. I am not available. (laughs) A lot of times when headhunters call you, it's if you know anybody, it's also, are you interested? I'm not interested, but I am interested in the right person being selected. I think Kevin's the right guy for this time. So no, they didn't call me, but I still am in contact with a lot of my, that I used to work with. And I think people are pleased and they should be. The most important thing I think is that Dr. Beckett knows him, likes him, approves of him, knows that he's going to be good for the business is a great first step for Beckett right now. I look at his background and he has a deep business background and a deep hobby background. And it looks like a publishing background, interestingly too. And I'm excited to see what they do. The last few years have lost some market share. I'd love to see more competition for PSA and I'd love to see them gain some of that market share back. We got a question here for Dr. Jim. So I'm going to put it up here from Vintage Card Collector. What would you do with the grading scale at BGS? Would you change it? What would be your angle there? I could take the rest of the show. And basically, I answered that question <laughs> in writing for Kevin and Jeremy. I wrote it out, sent it to them. Again, they're surveying lots of people, but I am one person that wanted to weigh in and weigh in with some detail. It's not appropriate for me to say what that is. I said, this is what I would do. So I answered exactly that question. And we'll see what they do, because I'm not the boss anymore, but I certainly care about the brand, I care about the people, and I care about the hobby. So great question. 
And when they announce, we'll see if they do what I recommended or maybe they had some other better ideas. But I know exactly what I would do. And I told them. Kevin, is he going to be a guy that jumps in the pilot seat and starts flying a plane right away? What should we expect style-wise from Kevin Isaacson? He's worked with the company for more than a decade, I think, off and on in various roles, but a lot of them been consulting. And so he's a strategy guy, but he's plenty decisive when he needs to be. He's willing to make the call, even if everybody's not unanimously on board. He calls it like he sees it. A good executive needs to do that. It's not a democracy. He's the leader, and I'm available, and I think I'll have more contact with him than I have had with all the previous CEOs other than Peter, the first one that I worked with when I was still in the building. So I'm looking forward to it, guys. But Kevin's going to have his own style. I will say this. One of the challenges of any executive or any person is who do you trust? If you've been in the hobby, you already know the vernacular and you have an idea of who you can trust. Somebody coming in from the outside, they don't know who to trust. You can't take a popular vote. Some people really have their finger on the pulse. I think Kevin knows who to trust. And I'm trustworthy, obviously. You guys are trustworthy. I think he's going to have a good sense of who in the company and who outside the company are trustworthy. And I think that's going to really go a long way toward giving him a good ride as the leader. Are we going to see immediate changes or is he going to kind of assess where the company's at? He got picked because he already had assessed it. (laughs) He knows what he's going to do. But even when you're a decisive executive, if you go to a counselor and you have got a problem, the gifted counselor doesn't hit you with the solution immediately. They let you stew on it for a while. And then at the appropriate time, they say, okay, here's the thing. And a good executive is the same. He's got a sense of what he wants to do, but he's going to do the right timing. Make sure the other voices in the room are heard and not dismissed. And then he'll move forward. He'll take bold action. But that doesn't have to be day one when he comes in. The problem in the industry right now with my old company is that there's confusion and there's probably some friction there. And lowering the price is one way to approach some of those things. But they need to reduce the confusion about where they're headed and they need to reduce the friction and make it easy for people to use their products. The problem is... Change is difficult in our industry. I've never seen a change in our industry that was universally accepted. (laughs) And everybody said, oh, that's 100%. That's the right thing to do. So the question is, if you make a change, who's going to be upset with that change? And it's probably not good to upset your best customers. On the other hand, your best customers even are not always right. Sometimes change just needs to come. So it's tricky. I think Kevin is looking at all those things, but he's going to be much more in consultation with Jeremy and Bill and Dave and the other senior leadership of the grading to make sure they're making good choices and they're trusting the right people. Again, some customers are really savvy and can give great feedback and others are going to be more self-serving as I want you to do this. The slabs, the criticism is they're too heavy. They're too solid. They're too secure. (laughs) That's a good criticism in one sense if you drop it. But if you're lugging a couple hundred slabs around, you don't have to do weightlifting that day. There's trade-offs in everything you do. And if you lower the price, there's some trade-offs with that. People generally would like that. But in order to be able to continue to innovate, companies need to be profitable. And you can't have everything be a lost leader. Yeah. Orlando is asking, he says, Dr. Becker gave us great speech to new graders. Can you speak about that? 
I can speak to that. Two months ago, I had an episode in my podcast where I talked about my feelings about yeah. the BGS 9.5. Then a little while ago, not very long ago, I gave a speech to some of the grading trainees. And I can speak about that because what I put in the podcast was excerpts and outtakes and heavily edited because I really was proverbially preaching to the choir. These were people that were in the company, and I don't want some of those remarks to be made public. But what I thought could be made public, I put on my podcast, and people seem to like that. My point was that grading has always been part of my collecting experience, even though we didn't start BGS until 1999. And I'd been involved in the hobby for decades before that. And that grading is a skill and an art. If it's completely a skill, I just don't think it's just a skill. So anyway, you'd have to listen to this. I'm not going to say more about that because the other stuff I said about it was for private consumption of the, those people in the room. All right. Fair enough. Sports card radio. I used to listen to them. I was just wondering, isn't the guy to bring BGS back to the promised land? What is the promised land in his opinion for BGS to be number two? My promised land for BGS is to be number one, but I'm not the guy anymore. But that's always my goal, to be the market leader in some respects. So I'm just wondering what is meant by that. It is a nice thought that Kevin, I think, is going to do a really good job. But is he saying that won't be enough? Or yeah, we'll see. I love the specific criticism. If there's a way I can help Kevin get to the promised land, that's the nice thought to me. And yeah. I think Kevin is receptive to advice and counsel from other people in the hobby that have a lot of experience and are willing to share what's best for the whole industry. I think it'll be a great conversation between you, Dr. Jim, and Ryan or Colin of Sports Card Radio. I've watched that. The Tadards, yeah. That would be really interesting. I don't know if I'm on their speed dial, but the whole thing there is that anything is possible. Some things are less likely than others. Those guys realized that controversy sells. When I was in charge of Beckett and BGS, I didn't want to be the controversial one. I wanted to be the one that just continues to innovate and do the right thing. But if they're saying that Kevin needs to be more controversial, I think we've had enough controversy with BGS in the last few months. I think we need to get to some smooth sailing and see where that takes us. They want you back. Orlando says, come back, Dr. Jim. If elected, I will not serve. I am a pro bono <laughs> consultant. I want to be helpful, but I'm not looking for a job. I'm happy to help Kevin. It's nice to hear you say that there is some open lines of communication. You've known them a long time. I think anyone would say it's nice when you feel your voice is being heard. You started that company. You're still in the hobby. Your finger's still on the pulse as well. I want to step away from that for a minute and just put up Mangini's comment because I think it's brilliant, as always. Add an additional subgrade for eye appeal. Yes. I think eye appeal should be more important in a card's grade. You can take a one and have it look better than a five sometimes. Yeah. I have a Jackie over my shoulder, I feel, fits that description. PWCC does that with their auctions, where they'll put an eye appeal assessment on a card in their auction. I'm not opposed to that either, along with subgrade. Grading's not new. It's been around a while. It's going to be here forever. So the best that we can make it, that's the important thing. I had a proposal for not exactly that, but integrating eye appeal into the grading. Not in that way, but I've already suggested that. In a certain yeah. way. I'm not going to disclose what it is, but I appeal is a thing. 
And it's difficult to quantify, but it's definitely noticed, as Mike was saying. Some ones are better than fives at arm's length. Yeah, no, no doubt. The man 